Hebrews chapter 7. At 8.30 tonight at the CWU. Is it Portadown, Glenn? Uh, Ronnie's speaking there tonight. Um, and some are going to the CWU Portadown at 8.30 tonight it starts. If you want another meeting, you can go on over there and make your way over. As I said, Alison and a few are away down to Kilkeel. She's testifying in Kilkeel Baptist tonight. And there's a few others away. Sarah is at a function, another one, and, and so on. So there's people out ministering and so forth. And we just pray that they'll have a, a blessed time in the presence of the Lord and that the Lord will uh, encourage them wherever they all are. And may they all have journeying and traveling mercies together. Hebrews 7, verses 24 and 25. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing whoever liveth to make intercession for them. Heavenly Father, would you now, Lord, shut each and every one of us in with your own good self. May your spirit, above all things, just point us to the Saviour, Let us as believers in this place be uh, charged in our hearts again with the power of God. Let us afresh see the love of God. Let us anew, Father, in our hearts and in our spirits at the sound of your word rejoice in what your Son, the Lord Jesus, has done at Calvary and accomplished for us there. He paid the fullness of our debt. Lord, we... I can't even express it into words how it makes our heart feel. How our spirits rejoice at what he has done. And how, Lord, it just it carries us to glory. And we love you, Lord. And we worship you. We praise you. And we magnify your holy name. Bless those that are ministering in other places. And those that are ill tonight, will you be with them? And Lord, we ask you, Lord, to encourage each and every one, whether they're watching live online now or on, we pray, Father, for your blessing to be with them. May they know your nearness and may they know your fellowship and your company. Lord, if there's one in here tonight who has not yet come to a saving faith, if there's one listening or watching who has not come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, We pray tonight, Lord, that you would arrest their spirit and their soul. And Lord, would you draw them to the Son of God. And Lord, would you save them for time and eternity. Father, these things we ask, giving you thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. We want to speak on the title tonight, The Priesthood, The Presentation, and The Prayers of the Man in Glory. The priesthood, the presentation, and the prayers of the man in glory. In our reading in Hebrews 7 and verse 24, notice what it says, but this man. There's a man in the glory. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Here is this man has a priesthood which will not change. Verse 25, Wherefore he, the man in the glory, is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Centrality is in Christ here. Everything revolves around the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the focus. He is the center. He is the linchpin of all of heaven and eternity. And it points to Christ. The Spirit of God tonight should point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. As soon as we open the Scriptures, we find Jesus right through it. The Spirit of God should show us, here he is. Starting from our reading, but this man. Let the Spirit of God show you the Son of God tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he liveth, ever liveth to make intercession for them. Do you see that? This man, he continueth ever. He is able also. He ever 
liveth. So notice, verse 24, we see his priesthood. He continueth ever. That's his priesthood. In verse 25, he is also able to save. That's his presentation. And again in verse 25, he ever liveth. That is his prayers, his priesthood, his presentation, and his prayers. But this man, the risen, ascended, glorified Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has an unchangeable priesthood. That's our first point, is the unchangeable priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. Not only has he an unchangeable priesthood, but his salvation saves to the uttermost. To the uttermost. And his prayers are ever intercessory for each and every one that puts their trust in him. First of all, verse 24, he continueth ever. Notice what it says. But this man, because he continueth ever. Notice the idea here is that he's not like the high priest of Israel who went in behind the holy place, the curtain, once a year and then came out again. The idea is he has ascended and he has went through the heavens to the dwelling place of God, to where the abode of the angels are. And there he went once and he stayed there until his second coming again. Notice he's not like the high priest who presented himself before God but once a year, but he's there in the glory in heaven and there he continually abides and resides until he comes again. He has went into the heavenly tabernacle. Now in the tent of of meeting, the tabernacle in the wilderness where Israel encamped around about, that was the earthly tabernacle. Later the temple was the earthly temple. But here the Lord Jesus Christ is not like those priests, for he has went into the heavens, and now he is in the heavenly tabernacle. Will you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8, please? Verse 1 says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. The idea is that Jesus is in the place of power, all power and authority. And then in verse 2, notice what it says of him, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle. Now notice that, the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, which the Lord pitched and not man. Would you say true tabernacle? True tabernacle. I want to make sure you are still awake and listening. True tabernacle. He's all very quiet tonight. Now notice this. He is in that heavenly or true tabernacle, not speaking of one on the earth, which the Lord has pitched and not man. See the word pitched there? It's a word pegnome. Pegnome. And it means to fasten together, to stretch out like a tent. To stretch out like a tent. Pegnome. In, in fact, the word peg, P-E-G, in our original text, is, actually means a peg. Like a peg, you get your tent, you lengthen out your cords, you get the peg and you hammer it into the ground. That's where the word comes from. And notice here, it says here that he is in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched. Take note of this. This is important for who he is. The Lord has, as it were, pitched this tabernacle. That is the heavens in which he's in. The Lord has stretched it out and made the heavens where he now is in abode and abides. But also here, it's shown again the same word, pegnomy, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23. Notice what it says, him, again centered on the Lord Jesus Christ, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Here the apostle is saying to the, the, the high priests and the Jews of the day, he's saying, you call for his death and wicked hands, the Roman soldiers crucified him. And the word crucified, and it's not the same now in case you go looking for it, it's not the same in all the times it says crucified because it can be the word staros. 
But here the word for crucified is wicked hands took him and pegged him. It's the same word. It means they stretched him out hand and hand. Feet stretched out and they took the pegs and they nailed him to the tree. As a tent would be stretched out so Christ was stretched out by wicked hands. It's the exact same word where God has stretched out the heavens. And now because of the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, he's given into the hands of wicked men and stretched out. He is the tent. He is the tabernacle of God himself. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Can you see where the, the word's coming from now, what the word means? Now, I notice this. It means that God used this. This is the only word here. It's the word prospegnomy for crucified. Prospegnomy. Okay, pros means to come toward. It means they came toward him and they took him. And they took him to the tree, the cross. And they stretched him out like tent cords. And they took the pegs, pros toward and they pegged him to the tree. They nailed him to the cross. In verse 24, it says, He continueth ever, that he is ever abiding in the sanctuary of heaven before his Father, seated the right hand of the majesty on high. In verse 24, it says, Of him also he hath an unchangeable priesthood, an unchangeable priesthood. And the word here for unchangeable is the word aprapados or aprapabano. And it means, bano means to step, to step, to step. And para means alongside or to come across. And there's a negative there, so it means to not come across. Let me tell you what it means. He hath an unchangeable priesthood means Not stepping across. In other words, Christ is in the order of the priesthood of Melchizedek, not like Aaron and his sons, where the family handed down to their sons one high priest. And then there was the next high priest. And then when he was finished, there was the next high priest. Down throughout the years of the Levitical tribe and from the family of Aaron. Here it says, it's not that tribe. And it's not that household and it's not that priesthood. He has ascended into heaven after the order of the priesthood of Melchizedek without father and without mother and so on whom Abraham had met. And here he's saying that he is in the heavens and he's not handing his ministry to another. Did you hear that brother? Did you hear that sister? Christ is in the heavens and his ministry is unchangeable. It will not step across to another No other man, no angel in glory, no cherubim and no seraphim, no wonderful working beasts of the creation of God, none can take his place. There's one high priest and he's called the Lord Jesus Christ. He's unchangeable. He is unchangeable. It means his ministry will not pass over to another as did the ministry of Aaron. In Hebrews 7, if you would look at it in verse 16. Hebrews 7, just verse 16. It says, Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. He has the power of an endless life. In verse 17, it says, For he testifieth, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So notice this. Notice this, the same Jesus in the book of Hebrews whom they speak about. The same Jesus who hath ascended into heaven and into glory. He hasn't died and another takes his place. He is living again. He is resurrected from the dead. He's the first fruits of the dead. In other words, he's to die no more. He's in the heavens. He's ministering in the sanctuary, in the heavenly tabernacle, the true tabernacle. He's been stretched out 
raised from the dead, and there he shows the wounds in his hands. Can you see the power of the blood of Christ here? The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he won't give up his ministry. He hasn't retired, and he won't give it up to anyone else. Notice he continueth ever. He hath an unchangeable priesthood. So that's his priesthood in the glory. Secondly, we have his presentation. His presentation. Verse 25. Let's look at it for a moment. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. He is able to save. Would you say save? Save. Would you say it again? Save. Save. You see, there's a lot of times you don't hear the word saved anymore. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? There's many places you don't hear that word anymore. It's as if it's not in the scripture. Are you saved? Are you saved from the wrath of God? Are you saved from your sin? And are you saved from yourself? Are you saved tonight? I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm not asking how religious you are. I'm not asking even how amount of the scriptures you can quote and how theologically minded you are. I'm asking you, are you saved? Are you saved? First of all, here's some scriptures just to show you the importance of you being saved. And it's only in the Lord Jesus Christ you can be saved. Notice, and you can write them down. I'll just speak and and stop and start as I feel led to go through these. Acts chapter 2 and verse 21 says, Whosoever, that could be you tonight, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's the word, saved. The Bible says, shall be saved. Now, if they say you need to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, you know what that means? If you haven't, it means you're lost. It means you're not saved. I'm not asking you, did you grow up in a Protestant church or a Catholic church? I'm not asking you, did you belong to a denomination? I'm not asking you, uh, uh, what good works have you done? Because none of it amount to a row of beans. Are you saved? Whosoever, could be you tonight, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Here's another one, Acts 4 and verse 12. Peter says, neither is there salvation in any other. Speaking of Christ, neither is there salvation in any other. You won't find salvation in this church that is in what we do here. The only way you'll find salvation is in the person of the one we preach. And the one we love. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven. Given among men whereby we must be. What's the word? Saved. What is a church? Saved. saved. Are you saved? Here's another one. Acts 15 and verse 11. God's asking you a question tonight. Acts 15 and verse 11. But we believe that. Listen. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Not through the pastor behind the pulpit. Not through the preacher on the stage. Not through the minister. Not through a priest. Not through the Pope. Nor any other spiritual religious leader or guru. But through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ and Christ alone. But we believe that through the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. You know us in this church that are saved? We believe through the Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved. That means we're saved now and he's keeping us every day. We shall be saved right to the end. As to the uttermost. Amen, church. We're saved in Christ. There's none other. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that means from the heart. Believing on him, not on church, not on religion, not on ritual, 
not on anyone or anything else, but from the heart, believing that he has paid your debt, believing that his precious blood has washed away your sin. If you receive that forgiveness and cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved on thy house. There's the word saved again. You'd think they hear people that wasn't in the scripture. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Much more than being now justified. Church, I know I'm asking you to repeat more than usual. Would you do me, uh, just humor me a minute. Would you say loud, being now justified? Being now justified. That's it one more time. It makes me feel good. Not because you're saying, because it reminds me. Being now justified. Do you know what it means? Right now. Those of us who are in Christ, we are declared right. Rehearse it one, not guilty because of the blood of Jesus. And that's why we need to rehearse it one with another. That we are saved and we are righteous, justified in the presence of the Father. Notice, much more than being now justified. How are we justified? What does it say in your Bible? By one, By his blood. This is coming to the presentation. We're working our way there. He, for, he ever lives in the presence of his Father. He ever lives at the right hand of the majesty on high. He ever lives in the place of all power and authority in the heavens. And he's bringing us with him. It's by his blood. By his blood. I'll tell you, see when I start thinking about it. I was just reading this this afternoon before I come out. I was nearly not getting out of my study because my, I was nearly having my toes open and closed and I was getting that excited about the blood of the Lamb and what Christ has done. I was, I was in my study praising the Lord and I was going to, I would have stood my head and spat nickels if I could have. Oh, brothers and sisters, come on. What Christ has done, we should be the most the most joyous people on the face of this planet. We should have more joy and shouts of hallelujahs and cheers than they have in the stadiums watching their football today. You know, they can stand watching a bag of air being kicked up and down a pitch and shout and cry and sing at the top of their lungs. And they can shout it all day for 90 minutes afterward and over again, the whole way there, the whole way through the match, and the whole way home again. And they'll sit and get drunk and they'll sing all night there. And the church are afraid to shout for joy for the blood of the Lamb. Come on, brothers and sisters. Will you praise Him tonight? Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And we give Him glory. Oh, worthy, worthy are you, Lord. Much more than being now justified by his blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank Jesus for his blood. I'm a bloody preacher. And I love to preach the blood. We shall be saved from wrath. You know something? See if we even knew. We just get every now and again a little, a little touch of what it must be like for those who are unsaved to enter into the wrath. We have no idea. We have no idea what it will be like for those outside of Christ to be under God's wrath. We have no idea. But those of us who are in Christ, when he was stretched out, tighten to me. When he was nailed with pegs of nails in his hands and his feet. When he was stretched out like the tent upon the cross. When there he hung between heaven and earth, bleeding and dying and writhing in agony. There we find when he shed his precious blood that the wrath of the Father was poured out upon him in its entirety against me and against you. And he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Oh, he took the wrath. He took it all. There's men and women rejecting the blood, rejecting the sacrifice. Romans 10 and verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou 
shalt be saved. Notice all the scriptures. Saved, 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 saved. God's saying, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? He knows whether you're saved or not. But he's asking you. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21 says, Please God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. To save them that believe. He didn't say, Please God by foolish preaching. But the foolishness of preaching. Oh, you get someone like me up here and I'm getting excited and I know as a fellow he didn't mean any harm but so he tells me and he watches often and I don't really know who the person is but it's all on YouTube and he says I get more out of you when you don't get excited and I, I was going to reply back in a nice way of course I was going to reply back and say you know what I can't help myself but get excited whenever I think of my glorious saviour can't help myself Please God, by the foolishness of preaching, this fool up here is preaching to save them that believe. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, for by grace are you saved. For by grace are you saved. Not one of us deserved it. Unmerited favor found us. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's not of anything you've done, not of anything you can do. Even the tabernacle, the true tabernacle, is not pitched with man's hands. Men try and pitch the tabernacles through religion and they come and they can throw the smoke balls about all they want and they, the incense and they can light candles and, and they can go through prayer beads and, and they can come and they can do all sorts of matter of different things thinking they're going to be saved by it. they're going to be saved and you can go to BB and you go to your boy scouts and you can go to your 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 clubs and that's all fine and that's all good but that won't save you you can say you're the greatest protestant ulsters ever known how loyal I am and that won't save you we're saved through the blood of Christ we're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen to First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Listen, if we don't realize we're sinners, then Christ hasn't come to save us. Well, how do you know? Well, Jesus says, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick, I am not come to call the righteous, those who think they're not sinners or think they're good enough. I am not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. People think they don't need saved, or there's no such thing as needing salvation they, they think they're good enough in this life. They're, they're, they're getting on in this life. And I don't really need to bow the knee, to bow the head and yield my spirit and heart unto Christ and walk in his ways. I don't need the blood of the Lamb. I don't need saved. Jesus says, I didn't come to call people like that. I came to those who will say, I'm a sinner. Will you save me? Oh, if the Holy Ghost is speaking to you tonight. The Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you tonight. If the Holy Spirit has come and said to you tonight, you're a sinner. You've sinned and you're not right with God and you're not saved. If the Holy Spirit has come and started to awaken your heart tonight, that you see or realize that my religion and my ways and who I am and what I can do and my good works, my deeds and my arms and everything else all mixed in with it, none of it, none of it will save your soul. And if the Holy Spirit is showing you that you're a sinner in need of a saviour and Christ is the only saviour, then you're the one he's come for. You're the one he's calling. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Titus 
Titus 3 and 5, not by works of righteousness. Notice, not by works of righteousness. This is what the Bible says. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. According to his mercy, he saved us. James chapter 4 and verse 12 says, There is one lawgiver. There is one lawgiver. Who is that? The God who came down to Mount Sinai. The God who gave the law to Israel. There is one lawgiver who is able to save. You know what this tells me? The Lord Jesus Christ, the man who hung on the cross, the man who went to the grave, the man who ascended again, arose and ascended into heaven, the man we're reading about in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 who has an unchangeable priesthood. You know what this tells me? The one who came down, the lawgiver that came down on Mount Sinai to Moses, he's the same one who went to the grave who went to the cross to the grave and ascended again. He's the same one. There's one lawgiver. God, Yahweh, gave the law. And it says there's one lawgiver who is able to save. Who is it we're reading here? Who is it that's, that's telling us, the Bible is telling us, is able to save? Wherefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost. Who is he speaking of? The Lord Jesus Christ. Very God of very God. Man, very man. So notice, he is able also to save. Here's something uh, through our Christian life, and you might say, well, and what if I got saved tonight? What if I, I, I realize that the salvation is something I must have and experience and come uh, uh, via Christ to, to God or to the Father by? And what if I do that tonight? What if I can't keep it? You're right, you won't keep it. And what if, how can I tell my family or my workmates or my friends? Or, and what will I do? How will I get the strength to go on? What if I fail him? Of course you'll fail him, we all do. But what will I do? Here's your help, friends. You ready? Here's your help. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18 says, He is able to succor them that are tempted. Notice, he is able also to save them. To the uttermost that come unto God by him. Now it says, he is able to succor them that are tempted. I remember I wasn't, well, I wasn't long married. We are a few years, a couple of years married or a few years married. And we'd done the little children's class every day in Whitewell Metropolitan Tabernacle. Or pardon me, every Saturday. And we went in the buses and we picked them out. And we had 120-something children. And I got that many, we had to split them into two levels in two parts of the, the youth centre, upstairs and downstairs. And I remember one Saturday, we weren't long married, and we were living in the flat in Mount Vernon House in the Shore Road in Belfast. And I remember for some reason, I don't know why, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I need a drink. I need a drink. But it wasn't just a thought, I need a drink. It crippled me. It frightened me. I hadn't felt this when I got saved. From the third day after I got saved. And I remember in the living room, and I can't express it to you, but the one that would struggle with it would understand. I paced the, the room up and down, and I also was saying, what's wrong with you? And I wouldn't tell her. I was ashamed for her to know. I was ashamed to think this way. I was ashamed that it was in my very head that I was going to need a drink, an alcoholic drink. And I felt every fiber of my being, every calling of my heart to go down to the nearest pub to get full drunk. And it was killing me. And every part of the weakness that I had, I said, Alison, I can't do this. And I started to cry. I said, if I go out the door, I'm frightened. I was petrified. If I go out that door, I ain't going to go to the pub. I'll go down, I'll not even go to the children. It's just going, what's wrong? Why are you thinking like this? And it's going, I don't know. I really don't know as the tears were streaming from me. I was afraid. And Alison turned around and said to me, have you, have you prayed? I says, Alison, I've called on his name all morning. And I refuse to go out the door because as soon as I get into that lift from the ninth floor to the ground, I'll walk out and I'll go to the bar. I can't go out. Thank the Lord for a godly wife. She actually grabbed me by the shoulders. I was losing my head. She looked me eyeball to eyeball. She says, get down on your knees. 
stopped. I gotta go. She says, get down on your knees. And I got down on my knees and her with me. I cried on to God. And I got up and I still felt weak. And I got into the lift and I went down the whole nine floors. And I got outside and there was the car. And it's standing your niece had bought us. Just get into the car. Everything in me was crying out. And I got into the car. And I drove down to Whitewell. And there was the kids. And I felt so condemned. Even the thoughts that's in my mind about needing alcohol. The calling in my heart to go and, 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 and sin like this. To, to get full drunk before God. And I'm going to go in and tell children about the wonders of Christ. I can't do this. She says to me, you're going to get on the bus and you're going to do it. Pray again. I'm going to pray it again. And I got out of the car and I got straight into the bus and I started driving. And the first children to get on the bus have left me like this. Just as quick as I came, as quick as it went. And we took the children out of time that day. And these wee children started coming to faith in Christ that afternoon. That afternoon. See, brother, sister, see when you give in too easy to the devil. See when you don't turn up. You're letting him win. And he wants you to hold back. The scriptures tells us in Hebrews 2 and 18, he is able to succor them that are tempted. The word succor here is the word by a theo. You know what it means? By a theo means, you ready? To run to the cry of those in danger and bring them aid. To run to the cry of those in danger and bring them aid. And I can tell you, even though Alison was there telling me, you can do this. And we got on our knees and I didn't feel any different. And I was praying again and she was talking to me the whole way down. And the car went, if he doesn't help me, I'm gone. And he heard my cry and he ran to my aid. And the devil will tell you that if you got saved... The devil will tell you if you give your life to Christ, you'll never keep this. You'll want to be going and doing whatever you do or don't do. But I can tell you something, friend. When you throw your all in him, he hears your cry and he runs to your aid. He runs to your aid. He is able to succor. Second Timothy 1 and 12. Listen to what Paul says. For I know whom, not what, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Notice Paul says, I know whom, not what, whom I have believed and am persuaded. See, the problem is there's many of us aren't persuaded. Persuaded in the gospel. Persuaded in Christ. Persuaded about the blood. Persuaded in grace that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So he saves, he keeps, he suckers. And Philippians 3 and 21 says, when he returns, he is able to subdue all things to himself. He's able to subdue. You know what he's going to do? See that old body that I spoke about that I'm still in, although in his grace I don't have those problems for many, many years. But even though in this body we all have our, our, our troubles, he will subdue it. Even if it goes to the grave, he'll raise it again. And he's able to subdue it. Notice the word uttermost. He is able to save, also to the, also save to the uttermost. All them that come unto God by him. Uttermost is the word pantales. Pantales. And it means he's able to complete the work. He is able to perfect the work. And he does all things well. The word uttermost in our reading in verse 25. Pantalis means, it comes from past, means all. All is an all-encompassing. 
And telos means end or termination. And it gives the idea he will save spirit, soul, and body. All who come unto God by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is able to save the uttermost. His priesthood continues forever. His presentation, he's able to save to the uttermost. What is the presentation? Well, we find it in Hebrews 8 and verse 3. Hebrews 8, please, in verse 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is necessary that this man have somewhat also to offer. Now, let's just pause a wee moment and let's read that again. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is necessary that this man, the same man we're speaking about, have somewhat also to offer. The high priests worked at the earthly tabernacle and temple. They had to bring gifts and sacrifices. Now he who is in the true tabernacle in the heavens, he has to offer something up. He has to present. And what is it? It's found in Hebrews 9 and verse 12. It says, by his own blood. By his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, that is, in the heavens, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Notice, by his own blood. Would you say his own blood? Would you say it one more? His own blood. Let's look at it for a couple of moments. The word here, his own, his own, is the word idios. It's where we get our English word idiot from. Idiot. Here it's idios. And here's the meaning of it. It means, for idiot means a person with his own ownership of something. So if someone gets on like an idiot, he's an idiot. It's, it belongs to him. What he said belongs to him. What he's done belongs to him. How he's behaved belongs to him. He's an idiot. That's what it means. It's his own. He owns it. Idios. The original text of this means something pertaining to one's ownership or self. A personal, private, unique ownership. Here's the thing. His own blood. His private, unique Ownership of the blood that coursed through his very own veins. I think about this. If someone came up to you and hit you a punch in the nose and bled your nose, the blood coming, isn't it? Everyone, some people see the blood, blood in the faint or the, or the panic and the blood coming out of it. Or your lip or whatever. It's, you see, it's offensive, isn't it? It's really offensive to you. That's my blood. You blow your nose and it bleeds. You want to show everybody the tissue? Look at the blood. Isn't that true? You blow your nose because it's your own blood. It's personal to you. It's unique to you. It's private to you. It's your own blood. Oh, my nose is bleeding. Look, blood, blood. Look, everybody. My blood. Isn't that what happens? These are all laughing, but you all do it, don't you? <laughs> See the offense of it? It's my blood. Look. It's the exact same here. His own blood. And he says, It's my blood. This is my blood, he says. For example, Jesus, John speaking of him, it says that in John 5 and 18, the Jews sought to kill the Lord because he said God was his father, making him equal with God. And and here, uh, John uses the word idios. Jesus was saying that God was, he says, God is my father. In other words, he said, I am unique to the father. Now listen, we're all children of God when we're saved, aren't we? We're all sons and daughters of God, you see. And that's different. 
That's different. But if I was to say to you, you know, here, I'm a child of God. You'll say, hey, man, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So am I, wouldn't you? I'm a son of God. And hey, man, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're adopted into his family and all of this. And we're okay with that. But if I was to stand here and say to you, church, I want to tell you something of a revelation for you. I am the personal, private, unique son of God. I don't think it'd be too many who has a theological bone in their body be back the next meeting. With any sense, anyhow. Because I'm saying I am the Son of God. The Son. The word Edai for me is I am the Son of God. But I can say to you I'm a Son of God because Christ has died for me. And you'll say Amen. You see, that is not the word Edios. That's the word Autos. Autos means it's all panning and all spanning all who are in God through Christ. And if Christ had us says, yes, like you say, you're, the son, you're a son of God, so am I. They wouldn't have cause or justification to try and kill him. It was the word idios was used. Personally, uniquely, he says, I am the son of God. You know what he was saying? See, in me dwelleth the Father. Making himself equal with God. That's why they wanted to kill him. Listen, the Muslims say, he, he doesn't say he's God. It says it here. It says it here. Edios means, they're saying, Jesus keeps saying he's Edios. He is a personal, unique son of God. And he is. That's the exact same when we come to with his own blood, by his own blood, he entered into the holy place. Notice, it's not just the personal blood. It's unique blood. The blood of unique kind. The blood of sinless humanity and eternal deity. His own blood is unique, personal to the Father. And see, whenever you stand in glory, or when you stand before God in judgment, you know what the Father is going to look for? The unique, personal blood of His Son. And He's going to look and see if you were washed by faith in the blood, if you were covered by faith in the blood, if you're saved through the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, He says. Are you covered in the blood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you saved by the blood of Christ? Brothers and sisters, it's all about Him. I have to round it up in a quick mention of the last point, but about the blood here, so powerful. So powerful to free us from our debt of sin. That although it was shed, you ready? Although it was shed on the cross and poured forth from Emmanuel's veins and soaked up in the earth, you ready? Even though it was poured forth from his veins on earth, it soaked up in the ground, the blood was so powerful, it spoke in heaven. See, Jesus isn't actually carrying, as it were, a vial of blood up and saying, Here's my blood. Father's seen his blood. And now entering into heaven at his ascension, having himself accomplished salvation by the sacrifice of himself, it was in that blood, pardon me, it was in that bloodless, glorified human body that he presents himself. Listen, and he presents himself. Listen, his body is bloodless. How do you know? He says, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone, not blood. It was poured out at Calvary for us. And the Holy Ghost is the charge, the life-giving force through the glorified body of Christ. And he stands in the glory. The blood is speaking. And there he is an eternal Witness and testimony to the Father. I have paid the debt. I have done it all. What more do you need? Brothers and sisters. Church. Are you glad you're saved? Do you rejoice in what Christ has done? 
thirdly and shortly. Hebrews 7 and verse 25 saying, Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He ever liveth. Romans 8 and 34 says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Jesus is making intercession for us. See the word intercession? It's the word entecano. Entecano. En, E-N means in, as an in, amongst. In, amongst. Okay? And tecano, or tecano means to hit upon the mark. So say, I had a big javelin, and there's a target there, and I was able to throw it, and I hit the mark. Or saying it was a dartboard, I threw a dart and it hit the board, it hit the mark. Or a marksman fires and he hits the target. And this is the idea of this word. It gives the idea of one who approaches another. One who approaches another and presents himself face to face. Like this, face to face. That's what it means. The Lord Jesus Christ stands before the glory face to face. He approaches the glory of the Father. And there the blood has been shed. The word he intercedes or makes intercession. <laughs> Do it also, it means as well. He intervenes. <laughs> he intervenes. He intervenes for me. And he intervenes for you. He makes intercession for us. Either he comes into glory. The man in his glorified body. And there he approaches almighty God the Father. It's like the old Wesleyan hymn there, for me the Saviour stands. He shows his wounds and spreads his hands. God is love. I know I feel Jesus lives and loves me still. He ever liveth to make intercession. He has an enduring office of our great high priest. He presents his sacrifice. He interposes his blood. He intervenes with intervention between you and God. And there he continueth forever. What was his presentation? He presents himself. He's the priest, he's the sacrifice. And there are the prayers. doesn't even necessarily mean in the intercession. It's not Jesus is like you and I, and we're maybe on our knees crying like I did that day. Oh, here, I'm interceding, but I'm interceding for Aaron, or, or I'm interceding for Laura, or I'm interceding for Rebecca, or I'm inter- interceding for Billy. Or, you know, it's not, not, oh, God, and we're interceding, intercessory prayer. That's not what it means. It means all that he has done is done and dusted, and there he stands before the Father, and it's an eternal witness before God. Once and for all. And I've done my lot. Are you saved? Are you saved? Trust that you're saved tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen.